Front office, please hold. Well, I suppose we should probably get started quickly here because Jet looks like he's already high as fuck. So um... happy 420, bitches. <laughs> Welcome back, everybody, to the front office podcast. Happy 420 to all of those cannabis users out there in front office land. Kev, Jet, and Kyle are all back this week. And we are finally out of the Kevin zone after a week of just absolute purgatory for this podcast. We're back to normal. Kev, you did a great job last week, man. Good job. I hated it. (laughs) (laughs) It stinks. It stinks. The funniest thing is, you know, we were talking right before we we logged on here, but I I absolutely could not contain myself with how many times you forgot where to transition to the next thing for the focus. We've been doing this well over a year now. We've had, what, 100 episodes? Um, this is 85 today, number 85 today. 85, yeah, well, it's close. Ocho um, and I literally do not know what we do without <laughs> you talking. Anyways, it was it was actually good, man. I, I thought you did a great job. It was much better than I thought. So uh, well done. Um, Jet, how are you feeling, man? You look tingling. Oh, man. You know, okay, you guys know that people make fun of me because my le- my legs are like super hairless. People make fun like of you for everything. So you got kind be- of comical. <laughs> There's a long list of things we make fun of you for, but yeah, that's this is that's true. Number this 72 true. and 143 that you listed. You guys Jeff- keep me on my toes. Yeah. You guys keep me on my toes. Jeff was like a They're seal. Jeff's <laughs> toes are always broken. Oh my god. Because he wears too so, many socks. So so I feel like Chewbacca with hairy arms, but I don't have hairy arms. So that means it's gonna be a good show. So the second you said that, I'm just thinking of the movie Get Him to the Greek when they're stroking the furry wall. And that's exactly what I'm thinking of in my head now. So I'm literally going to be singing that song to myself. (laughs) Just to throw it out there, I know it's 420. um, And a lot of people celebrate today because of uh, marijuana legalization. Uh, But since it's been legal, Jethro has been celebrating 420 for the fact that it's Hitler's birthday. And that's, um, that's a lot of I numbers. Think, I think we should point out how how awkward and rude that is of him. So every time that he mentions that he's high tonight, remember he's doing it in honor of Nazis. <laughs> it's an interesting way to put that. Um, thank you for getting us uh, off topic and uh, that was again, quick. into. <laughs> <laughs> That's we're, it for me, everybody. We're going back, we're going back to the Kevin zone, everybody. That's um, <laughs> it for me, everybody. By the way, how good was my impromptu Twilight Zone theme? It was well done, sir. <laughs> I like the, you know, because I'm doing it, I'm like, how does it go again? So I'm literally trying to think about it in my head as I'm doing it. And then I remember, oh, yeah, there's like a rattle. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, fuck. <laughs> um anyways this stupidity is brought to you by the smoke shack and btp smokehouse um kev i think there's a promo code that you can hit him up with fop 10 f-o-p-10 if you enter that on your online checkout you get 10 percent off your order of the best barbecue in canada and to our pals over at 
Human 2.0, a world-class fitness facility in Ottawa, Ontario. Go and take one of their free trial classes, and you mention the podcast, you will get a second one. So we mentioned 420 to start the show, and obviously, you know, that alludes to not what Kevin's alluding to, but uh, it, it refers to, um, to to marijuana. And I just have to give a shout out to, you know, good friend of mine and, uh, and you know, good listener of the show, Hugo Bouchard, um, who's opened up his second location, which is uh, Go Green Cannabis Store. So he's got a location on Montreal Road and uh, one that's opened up in Barhaven in the West End on, uh, on Green Bank. So anyone who's looking to uh, go and purchase some cannabis, make sure to go and check out Hugo's two shops in the East and West End. Go Green Cannabis, everybody. Um, Might have to do that. Yeah. Jet, you will be a good frequenter of that store. <laughs> I'm from the islands. I can't help it. <laughs> Everything gun be irie. Um, I got that Percy Harvin state of mind. Well, as long as you don't have the migraines that he has, and that's all nope. good. Minus but, the yeah. migraines. <laughs> um, all right. So tonight, fellas, we've got a very special episode. But before that, we have to get the wager done because... Last week, Jet and I had an impromptu on-the-spot bet for a nice Easter treat uh, regarding the Spurs and Pelicans over-under for points scored. Um, as soon as I saw the halftime score, I knew that I was dicked. Like, <laughs> like I think they had, I think they had scored like eighty points in the first half, and the the over-under was two twenty-two. So I was, I was like, "Well, they're going to need a hell of a second half here to pull it out." But uh, Anyways, good on you, Jet. I got a nice, uh, as Kevin alluded to, a nice chocolate hot dog um, <laughs> about to be delivered to your house. Um, anyways, uh, we'll we'll take care of that. But uh, we got to get another one up this weekend because, Kev, you passed last week as the host. You're going to be back up this week. So, Kevin, Jet, you guys are on the clock. And uh, you guys I always see... You guys always seem okay. Yeah, you go ahead, but I just I, you guys always seem to be against each other when there's a big fight in some type of combat sport. I'll just put it that way because obviously everyone knows the Tyson Fury and Dillian White fight is uh, is this weekend in Wembley Stadium. Heavyweight supremacy is on the line, but Kev, go ahead. What do you got? Well, so as you know, there's a new upstart league in the southern United States known as the USFL. And there's a big matchup this weekend featuring the Philadelphia Stars, oh. which play in Alabama, where most teams named Philadelphia would line up to play. <laughs> um, and I think for the fact that we have such a deep connection to that team, that we should probably put, uh, put a wager on the outcome of that game. Now, I'm going to bet that the Philadelphia Stars lose. Get yeah. I don't know anything about the USFL, so I have no idea. Clearly, all clearly, all, you don't get yeah. what we're talking about. I know as much about USFL football as I do about anything having to do with the CFL in the fifties, sixties, or anything like that. Okay, so, so so that's what you're betting on. So it doesn't even matter who Philadelphia is playing. Kevin's taking Philadelphia to lose. Jet, you've got Philadelphia to win. What are you betting on? I'm guessing this means Philadelphia is absolutely terrible. Oh, no, no. We'll, we'll explain it to you off air. Don't worry. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> so, anyways. So love this. Jet, because it's 420 and you're high as shit, you, you can tell us what you want to wager on. 
A jackal. A, oh. You want to wager a jackal? Yeah, so yes, we'll import a jackal from. <laughs> <laughs> um. Okay. No. Hold on. Hold on. Um. Wasn't right the first seven times you said it. It's not going to be right now. <laughs> uh. Hey, Kev. If yep. if Kev, because I'm assuming this is a like super huge long shot. I say that next show, Kev has to come on with gummies. Gummy Kev. No, no, we can't be doing that, Jethro. <laughs> My, well, I won't be putting any wagers down that way. <laughs> it sounds like a great idea in your world, uh, but I would be doing that. Okay, what's Kev, what's the hardest liquor you have at your house right now? good point um i probably have some kind of a scotch that could remove paint somewhere <laughs> okay so if since it can remove paint if philly wins you have to take three shots of that before we start the show Great deal. that i can do that i can do <laughs> right. that i can do and not be worried about my career that'll put some lead in your pencil <laughs> um, in your pencil all right so there's the wager, Kevin taking three shots of um, of scotch. So I guess if he wins, he doesn't have to. That's the bet. Yes. Okay. So either he does take three shots of scotch or he doesn't. To be or not to be, that is the question. Put it on the board, everybody. Bushmazilla. Houshimazone, lock it up. All right. So now Wait, on... stop. I do have to share the motto. Ah, uh, yes. The new, new motto, the, the new mantra that Kevin will be abiding by. Shared shared with me from friend of the show, Katie Underhill, frontline uh, uh, worker and nurse throughout this pandemic. Thank you for everything that you've been doing. Yes, and thank you for listening to this horrible podcast. <laughs> We're sorry. We're now considered a ghoul. <laughs> you have you have taken a step down in uh, in your respect by listening to this show, but not by us, but but just by everybody else in general. Anyone who has standards would say, "Why are you listening to this podcast?" And the reason why she did was she had gone through all the true crime podcasts, needed to stay awake while driving, and the front office podcasts. For when you've run out of every other podcast on earth <laughs> and you cannot fall asleep while driving, this is the podcast for you. That's the new motto? That's it. Put it on the Kevin's Ghoulie shirt. All right. So now that that bullshit's done, um, thank you for interrupting, Kevin, for, uh, for again, no apparent reason. But um, let's get on to our regularly scheduled programming and what we're talking about tonight we mentioned it a couple of weeks ago, but this is when we always do this. The NFL draft is upon us next Thursday night. So tonight we are taking on a full first round mock draft, alternating picks between the three of us, taking over as the GMs of these respective teams and selecting who we think will be in the first round of the 2022 NFL draft. Gentlemen, are we ready? Yeah, there are. All right, so as you can see, I've shared my screen with you. We've got the top 100 prospects in this year's draft. I've broken it out by position and even for, for you guys because 
We've got offensive linemen and defensive linemen represented here. I've split up the top prospects from offensive tackle and interior offensive linemen. And I've also done the same on the defensive side jet. We've got defensive ends and defensive tackles split up along with inside and outside linebackers. So you guys can literally just look at the screen, pick a player, off we go. So before we start, here's a couple of things that's going to happen. So again, we have randomly assigned each of us to a specific team and a specific pick. Now, this is a crazy stat. One third of the first round is actually a team who has two first round selections. Because of all the trades that have gone on, either last year or this crazy offseason, there are eight teams that have two selections in the first round, which is insane to me. Like, it's crazy. So um, that being said, whenever somebody picks for one team and they have a second pick, you will automatically get that selection. Does that make sense, guys? Yep. So you're making multiple picks for the same team. So I've color-coded our names beside each team here. So it should be very, very apparent who's picking. Kevin, I know you had trouble with this last year. So Jethro, you are highlighted in yellow. You're calling me yellow? Yeah, I, yeah, absolutely. Um, Kevin, you are highlighted in red. Right. Okay. And I am highlighted in blue. So yellow is Jet, red is Kevin, blue is myself. You two gentlemen have 11 picks in the first round to make. I have 10 for a total of 32. Okay. Now you can pick any player on this list. If you want to go off the board, you have to tell me who exactly you're picking, but here's the list of top 100. There's only 32 selections. So let's try to keep it with this list. Okay. Let's try. <laughs> so again, before we kick it over to our first overall pick, I will say, if you are looking for any type of offensive lineman or receiver, this is the absolute draft for you. Or if you're looking on the defensive side, this is an insanely deep draft in regards to talent, you know, top talent on the defensive line. Like you look at the defensive ends and D tackles that are here. You could literally fill up more than half the first round just with those guys alone. So Again, should be fun to see where everybody nets out here. Let's try and give it our best shot and take on this. So the first overall pick is going to be the Jacksonville Jaguars and none other than our high friend, Mr. Jethro Constant, will be making this selection on behalf of the Jacksonville Jaguars because of his connection to their current GM, Trent Balky. Such an affinity for that man from his time with San Francisco. Yes. Jethro Jacksonville is now on the clock. If it's Trent Balky, he's trading the first pick for a ham sandwich. <laughs> but in a more real world, although it is very tempting to want to continue to protect our first pick overall from last year, we will solidify our defense by selecting with the first pick overall from the University of Michigan, Aiden Hutchinson. So Aiden Hutchinson, the consensus number one overall pick on a lot of people's boards. Jet, why do you like him above everyone else on the defensive side? Because he gives me way too many shades of J.J. Watt 
I know that with it, with coming out of college and having that much technique, I can only appreciate as a defensive line coach. But I also, huh? <laughs> <laughs> I, I also, I also really love the fact that, um, you know, Josh Allen is already a stud on that line and you add a talent like Aiden Hutchinson and they just, they're even more of a problem. So, you know, at the same time, one of the best friends of a rookie quarterback or, or, you know, a rookie, rookie, a a young developing quarterback, sophomore or whatever quarterback is a great defense. And the great defense starts at the D-line, so you got to solidify that D-line. Yeah, I, I think that Aiden Hutchinson brings the type of character and whatnot that you want in a locker room as well. And with everything that went on last year with the Urban Meyer fiasco, I think having that complete you know shift in culture is essential. So bringing in Doug Peterson to kind of right the shift there, I think was a good hire from their end. And bringing in guys like Aiden Hutchinson in this draft to really solidify the core group of players that they want. So you've got the leader on the on the offensive side with Trevor Lawrence, who's a you know very high you know, character person. Now you've got you know the leader on the other side of the ball that you can select with the first overall pick with Aiden Hutchinson. Um, I think that's a great pick. Kev, any thoughts on that? Horrible pick. I think he's a bust. <laughs> well. I just have to say that a Michigan player went first overall and there's no Ohio state player within earshot of this pick. So suck it, Ohio state. Mm-hmm. Another Mario Williams. <laughs> All right. So uh, I am now on the clock with the Detroit lions. And uh, I love what Dan Campbell and Brad Holmes were able to accomplish with that roster last year kind of a complete overhaul. They're trying to reestablish, you know, that grit and grind style of, of football that Detroit's never really had, right? They had, they had obviously the luxury of having a Barry Sanders in there and then, you know, years of futility and then getting the Matthew Stafford, Calvin Johnson connection that kind of kept them afloat for years, but they've never really had an identity. And I think that's what Detroit's really trying to get back. And that being said, I love the pick they made last year with Panay Sewell really gives them that blood and guts player on the offensive line. And I'm going to keep with tradition here and go over to the defensive side and give them an absolute game changer with probably the highest ceiling in regards to defensive linemen in this draft. We're going to the university of Georgia and we're taking Travon Walker hybrid defensive end, D tackle, just an absolute nightmare matchup, regardless of where you line him up. I think he just brings a toughness, a grit, a coachability from a great school like Georgia. This is exactly the type of player you want to bring into a team that wants to change and wants to win. Go to the national champion, get their you know their highest rated player. Analysis? <laughs> yeah, good pick. I really like Trayvon Walker. I think a lot of people try to say it could be Trayvon Walker or Kevon Thibodeau there, but my money's on Walker, especially like you saw that Georgia defense. Yeah. That's, that's something special. There's more to, more to be said about a player who played in an incredible system and is also an incredible athlete, right? There's someone who's coming in with way more experience than someone that even played four years, but in a mediocre defense, right? Like that's, he's coming out right away and he's bringing all that knowledge with him. Yeah. 
Jet, as a defensive line coach, what do you have to say about Walker? The kid's just a stud, man. You can uh, you can play him in multiple positions. I'm I'm not saying he's anywhere near like an Aaron Donald, but you can move him around on the line, and he will be a problem. You know what I mean? He will be a problem. Um, you know, like like Kev just said, with that Georgia defense, like for him to be able to still stand out on a defense that allowed you know uh, less than ten points a game, you know, it's it's it speaks volumes and. Like you said, what uh, they're doing in Detroit, you know, with building the offensive line with Sewell last year, you know, they're not they're not jumping on, you know, maybe an, a high tier tackle right now. They're saying, you know what, we got to build pieces on both sides. So they take, you know, the, the short the shortest distance to the quarterback <laughs> whenever you want. So uh, yeah, I love this pick, man. It's pick solid. And you know, this is a guy who's getting buzzed to be the number one overall pick because of how high his upside is. And, you know, I think when you look at the difference between Hutchinson and Walker, Hutchinson is going to give you what he is, and he's literally going to be that high-level player for his whole career. Walker could be a guy who could come into camp and completely just surprise you with how good he can get just in that short span of time from the draft until camp. So I think that regardless of who goes 1-2 here, I think Walker and Hutchinson are probably safe to be the one and two, regardless of how, you know, what order they go in. So unless there's a trade to continue this wacky offseason. Unless there's a trade. And again, we we can make trades tonight, guys. So if you want to make a trade, I've actually got a trade value chart where each pick has an assigned value to it. So we will be able to accurately make trades. So Jet, Jethro cannot skate by saying, well, it's, it's TBD. It's TBD. We'll see. <laughs> All right. So Kev, you are on the clock with your first pick, the Houston Texans. And you have your work cut out for you, my friend, because they have a lot of needs and they are building pretty much from the ground up. They're like an expansion team. The good thing is, though, they have two first-round picks to you know get that ship rolling in the right direction. So where are you looking at to get Houston back on the right track to, you know, uh, out of obscurity? Was thinking about trading uh, this pick away to San Fran for Debo Samuel, um, as well as uh, maybe throwing another kicker like George Kittle or something like that, just just to ante up that pod. But probably not going to happen. I think the consensus top three um, uh, includes two specific players. Walker has skyrocketed up that chart now, but you go back to um, December-ish, and since then, these two names have been thrown out there. It's Aiden Hutchinson and Evan Neal. And if Evan Neal is available at number three, that's because the two teams ahead decided to not pass up on these defensive powerhouses. And Evan Neal is, in my opinion, the clear-cut number one offensive lineman, I think in the opinion of every other scout. Um, Evan Neal's the guy they got to go with here. Kev, I love this pick for so many reasons. When I watched tape on Evan Neal, it's almost not fair how well he moves for a guy his size. You know, he's in between 6'7 and 6'8. He played at 350 pounds, but he checked into the combine at about 335. And anyone who's seen the pictures of him at 335 pounds, it's impressive with how good a shape this guy is in. 
you talk to Nick Saban and you hear what he has to say about Evan Neal as a player, as a prospect, and as a person, all three of those things check out. He's a great student. He's a great teammate. He's great on campus. He volunteers his time in the offseason. And apparently he's one of the smartest players to ever play for Nick Saban, which is saying a lot because, you know, that, that Alabama program has pumped out some absolute high-end players over the years. So Evan Neal, I think, is as can't-miss of a prospect on the offensive line as you're going to get. And, you know, the scary part is I think he's just coming into his zone of how good he can be. He's a fantastic pass blocker. And people are saying his run blocking is not up to snuff yet, but you get a six foot eight, 340 pound offensive tackle, and he learns how to run block effectively. That's, that's a problem. And here's the best part about it too. He has played both left and right tackle. So, you know, he's versatile and he can actually just move wherever you need him to, which is another benefit. Great pick by me. Great pick by Kevin. If only you were the actual GM of the Houston Texans. <laughs> All right. So, Jet, I did this for a reason because last year I got confused when I was picking for the Jets myself and I kept saying it was your pick because I kept saying Jets. So, <laughs> J-E-T, Jet, 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 will be making picks tonight for the J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. So, at number four, Jet, take it away. Who's New York looking at? Well... I believe that, again, looking at this from the perspective of a defensive line coach, we appreciate DBs when they can stay with their receivers, run with them, make the quarterback hold the ball a little longer, make the alignment have, have to stay with us a little bit longer. And one of the best ways to achieve that is by cutting off half of the field. So with that being said, with the number four pick, the New York Jets, 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 select Sauce Gardner. So the Sauce boss is heading to New York. And I think anyone who has a nickname like Sauce and it performs at the level that he performs at is meant for a big market like New York. Six foot three, 200 pounds, didn't give up more than 13 yards when he was in man coverage all season this year, which is an absolutely insane stat because even if you say, well, he didn't play the strength of schedule that a lot of other players played, it still makes a difference. Like there's still NFL talent that he's playing against and he played in the college football playoff. So they were a very competitive team. So, you know, sauce Gardner is as prototypical of a corner as you're going to see. I honestly, when I watch him, Shades of Champ Bailey when he came into the league. Tall, rangy corner who can just lock down one side of the field. I think that the Jets hit a home run if they take Sauce Gardner at number four. Kev, do you like the Sauce? Not a big fan of this pick, to be honest. Not a big fan. Seems like it was made by a guy in his basement high on dummies. Which you know could be said a lot about the, the New York Jets general managers over the years because that's probably what's happened, which is why they usually take a tight end at number five or, or anything of that nature. But um, anyways, I, I like the pick. I, I think that sauce is exactly what New York needs. So very, very good pick, Jet. Very good pick. So from one New York team to the other New York team, 
The New York football giants are on the clock at number five, and I am making the selections for them tonight. So I've got picks number five and seven. So I can be really aggressive with my two picks here because, again, the Giants have a lot of needs and there's a lot of talent on the board. But I think one guy who is a consensus, number, you know, first or second overall pick for a position of need that they have has fallen to number five. And I think, again, he's got a swagger to him that not a lot of players at his position have had. I think he's got the absolute upside that you're looking for with a top five prospect. And I think a guy who's going to be motivated now because he's fallen to number five, I'm going up to Oregon and I'm solidifying the other side of my defensive end um, with Kayvon Thibodeau. What are our thoughts on Mr. Thibodeau out of Oregon? Great pick. Fantastic pick. So again, Jet, watching him on film, what stands out with him? It's twitch. He's got that twitch and he's explosive as hell. Like he can set the point. He can get to the quarterback. I think he can use a little bit more work on the, on the, the setting the point on the, in the run game, mm-hmm. but he is, he has elite level pass rusher. Yeah. Ability. Like he looks, he, he said he models his game after Von Miller and you can see it. Oh, hundred percent, but he's a bigger version. Exactly. So, you know, this is this is something that the Giants really need to address because you've got a pretty good third round pick from last year with Aziz Ojolari on one side, and now you can match him up with Kayvon Thibodeau on the other side, and you've got those two big horses on the inside with Leonard Williams and Dexter Lawrence. That's a pr- pretty formidable front four now that you're looking at. So I, I think the Giants need to address that. And if this is you know this scenario plays out for them, perfect, perfect scenario. So, Kev, you are back up on the clock here with the Carolina Panthers, and you need to absolutely hit a home run with this pick, whether you trade it or you, you, know, you take the player who they absolutely need because Carolina doesn't have a second or a third-round pick. So they have to wait a long time before they, they pick again. So what are you doing with Carolina at number six? Because there's a quarterback you know, controversy that should be happening there. But there's also a lot of other needs because Carolina obviously underperformed last year. So where are you looking at for Carolina? Um, I think Carolina ends up going down the quarterback route. Uh, This is going to shake up the draft. this This is the big one. And the crazy thing here, I truly feel like Carolina is not going to go by the board that we have in front of us. I really do think Carolina is going to take Kenny Pickett. I have a gut feeling, and I think that's what's going to happen. My pick would have been Malik Willis, but I have a gut feeling they're going with Kenny Pickett. You know, that's a pretty good gut feeling because I think that's really what's resonating in a lot of football circles right now is that Kenny Pickett seems to be the name that's standing out in regards to Teams that want somebody to come in and try and play right away. He's a little bit older. He's going to be 24 years old come the start of the season. He's obviously played in a high pressure, you know, system with Pittsburgh. Small hands, though. you know, but you know, <laughs> the small hands thing gets overplayed so much. Like Joe Burrow had the smallest hands out of any quarterback in the draft when he came and out. Tebow had huge hands, <laughs> small, <laughs> massive hands. Um, so I mean, the the hand thing doesn't really, you know, play to me. 
I, I like how you went with your head and not with your heart here because I think Kenny Pickett, even though he's probably number five on my board in regards to quarterbacks, I, I think that if they do go quarterback, this is who they're taking. So I, I like how you went with that. You didn't pick the guy who you would have taken. You went with who you know or who you think that they are going to take. Okay, so a quick turnaround for the New York football Giants back up on the clock at seven. I was really debating and I was really hoping that I was going to trade out from this pick and get, you know, get some more assets, but I see how the board has played out. And Kev, that pick that you just made really just makes it so much easier for me to stay put here and solidify another position of need with, again, a guy who I never thought would be there at seven based on all the offseason projections. I'm going to go and I'm going to get another massive human being on the offensive line to pair with my number one overall pick last year, Andrew Thomas. I'm going to North Carolina State, and I'm getting Iki Aquanu, the best run-blocking tackle in this year's class. I think that with a healthy Saquon Barkley, hopefully this year, you've got Daniel Jones, who's in a make-or-break year. You've got a new offensive system of Brian Dable coming in. This is a, a this is a part of the team that they really needed to fix the offensive line. If you can get a guy like Aquanu at number seven, now you're really looking at you know establishing that nastiness that you need. So if you can leave the draft as a New York Giants fan with Kayvon Thibodeau and Iki Aquanu, like that's a culture change right there. So I'm extremely happy with how that played out for the New York Giants. And if I'm the new general manager who just came over from Buffalo. I'm doing cartwheels and I'm saying, this is why you brought me here. Pay me the big bucks. Let's go. Kev, have you watched much film on Nikki Aquanu? Um, you know what? Honestly, I watched uh, his drills in the combine um, and I saw his testing numbers. Then from the combine, you know, the highlights they featured on him from tape. Uh my take is freakishly athletic at that size. Yeah. Like we, we talked about Evan Neal. Like I almost feel like um, this is like a, a, a version of that on steroids, hopefully not on actual steroids, but he uh, it's just freakish how big he is and how athletic he is. Now I don't think he's got the same skill level as Evan Neal. I really don't. I don't either. And, and from an experience point of view, and, and you heard Nick Saban say about uh, intelligence, football IQ, I don't know that he's there. I think the two, well, you know how I feel about offensive linemen. I think the two best offensive linemen in this draft are Evan Neal um, and Tyler Lindenbaum. I think those are the two guys that we're going to see at a Pro Bowl within three years, um, if not after this year, depending on where they go. That's not even a those hot take. Are... That that's, that's a fact. Like I, I yeah, 100% that's... agree with that. Yeah, and that's just my take. Like, I think I, I think that's, you know, out of this group. But Lindenbaum's not going to play tackle, right? And we, and we know the importance of having a tackle. So he, he's not going to be going uh, any higher than those two guys, that's for sure. And, and that's just the way it is. But um, I don't know. I think I think he has the, the ability and the ceiling to get to a Pro Bowl and be a perennial all-star mm-hmm. but he's one of those i don't know yet kind of guys that's how i feel yeah no and, and very well could be the case but i mean 
you look at how he moves for a guy his size and, you know, between him and Evan Neal, I mean, you shouldn't be able to be as fluid as those two guys are at that size. And whenever you can get a tackle who can come in and literally again, play left or right and just have the footwork down pat. Like we talk about footwork all the time in our group chats between offensive and defensive linemen, how important it is when you have great footwork as a you know a big, big offensive lineman, it just makes it so much easier for you to play the position. So I like both of those guys, you know, Evan Neal and Nikki Aquanu. I think whoever ends up, you know, leaving the draft with, with either of those guys are going to be extremely happy with what they get. Um, all right. So Jet, back up on the clock. And as Lil John would say, ATL. Oh. So let's go uh, down I, to Hot Atlanta. Number eight, the Atlanta Falcons. What's going on in Atlanta, Jet? I would like to trade down if I am Atlanta. Okay. And where are you? I can't trade trade with myself, right? I mean, you can, but you just have to meet the trade value chart. Okay. Uh, Atlanta swapping with uh, the Jets at 16? No. At 10. 10. Yeah. Okay. So let's see what that would take. So Atlanta's first, you know, number eight is worth 1,400 points. You're looking at 1,300 points for the number 10 picks. You got to make up 100 points. So if we're looking at it, you know, you probably want to get somewhere in that fourth round. Fourth round. So the Jets, I think, have two fourth round picks this year. Oh, I would, yeah, that would, that would totally do that. Okay. So. Let's just make the assumption that you're moving up to number eight. You've got number 10 and a fourth rounder, and you're swapping out with Atlanta. Atlanta's getting an extra fourth. So let me just make the adjustment here. Okay. So the Jets are now picking at number eight. Who are they looking at taking, Jet? They moved up to take arguably the best safety in the draft, Ooh. Kyle Hamilton. Why Kyle Hamilton? You not think that he was going to make it down to them number 10? Uh, because remember that Seattle will have a blitzing safety. So you need someone who can actually cover on the back end. So I could see them going in that direction and i think they have a second first rounder right yep so i then i think they go after a quarterback in with that other pick so i think that's that's why they try and jump up there because if they could either go safety or go qb well knows? the jet the jets the jets you're talking about hold on no i'm saying the, the seattle no, Seattle picks at number nine, and then they have number 40 and 41 in the second round. Yes, yes, yes. But that's what I'm saying. I feel like they could have put, like the Jets could have potentially lost out on Kyle Hamilton had they let Seattle get that pick. Okay. Because, because they would solid, try and solidify their back end potentially and not go uh, quarterback. Gotcha. So then he wouldn't be available at 10. Sorry, I was confused with how you worded that, but because uh, I'm uh... slurring my words, <laughs> <laughs> Jet's pupils are the size of his glasses right now. Um... Good morning, Stasha. 
Beard says hello. Yeah, this is going to be a great second half of the draft when you were absolutely just <laughs> gutted. Um, anyways, I, I really, I love With the Kyle. 20th pick. <laughs> yeah. Take Langdon Alger. <laughs> take Al Bundy, a small school prospect out of Polkai. Um, nice. So I, I love Kyle Hamilton. You know, six foot four, 220 pound safety, just an absolute matchup nightmare when it comes to offensive preparation. Like the guy can line up at safety, can line up in the box, can line up as a slot corner. I mean, everyone's knocking him because he ran a slow time at the combine and even slower time in his pro day. I don't give a shit about 40 times. When I look at game speed, that's what I care about. Kyle Hamilton covers a lot of ground, he's a sure tackler. And Overall, I think if he doesn't get hurt this season and he runs a fast time at the combine, he's in talks to be the number one overall pick in this draft with how talented he is. So I think the Jets absolutely hit a home run here in regards to their secondary because now you have difference makers at corner and safety. Robert Sala is probably doing cartwheels right now thinking what he can do with those two guys. So I I love the pick. Um, And again, aggressive. Go up and get your guy if you want him. Only cost you a fourth rounder. Go get him. So, Kevin Kelly is back up on the board, number nine, taking on the role of John Schneider and the Seattle Seahawks. Seattle is making a case to be the worst team in the NFL this year with all the moves that they have or have not made so far. So, they traded away their all-pro quarterback. They lost their left tackle to free agency and haven't replaced him. The defensive side has lost a few guys. Kev, what's Seattle got to do here to get out of this funk that they're in? Um, you know what? This one is tough. I think uh, there's a lot of a lot of players at different positions that haven't really been picked up yet. That would be automatics, but. You said it before. They don't have uh, they don't have their quarterback anymore, and I know they've picked up some in the trade, right? They got Drew Locke and who was the other guy they picked up? So in regards to who they have a quarterback, yeah. So they have Drew Locke and uh, Geno Smith as their top two quarterbacks right now. Okay. So I think Seattle's going to do something crazy. They're going to take who we all said, well, I guess we know where he's going to go. I think they take Malik Willis. I think this is, uh, I think this is where he ends up going. If he's going to go this high, it's to Seattle. You know, I, uh, I think when the trade was made, I, I put something on our social media page that said, well, after Malik Willis's pro day in this trade, you can pretty much pencil in, you know, Willis to number nine at Seattle. And I think that still does hold true, honestly. Um, I think the upside is too tantalizing not to take him, especially with what he brings to the table. He's very similar to what Russell Wilson does, right? But he's just a bigger version. You look at how Malik Willis is built. He looks like a linebacker playing quarterback. Like, you're looking at his throws at his pro day. Like, you know, again, everybody glamorizes the quarterback pro days because they're not, you know, again, being pressured or whatnot. But it's so hard not to be impressed with how he was just throwing those absolute darts. Like 65 yards off his 
off foot while he's rolling to his offside across his body and drops it right into the receiver's hands. Like, you know, regardless of if there's pressure on him or not, that's impressive. And he's doing it so effortlessly. So this is my favorite quarterback in the draft. As a Pittsburgh fan, I th- this guts me. It absolutely guts me because this is the type of guy who I think could absolutely change the way that Pittsburgh could play on the offensive side after having Roethlisberger for so many years. But great pick here by Seattle. I think that they'll be you know very, very happy with the end result if they're patient with him. All right. So Jet is back up on the clock because he just made a trade between two of his teams. Atlanta trades down. Now they're picking at number 10. And they got an extra fourth round pick. You know, savvy move, Jet. Savvy move because I don't think that either of the guys that just went were guys that Atlanta was going to target anyway. So what are you thinking in regards to Atlanta? Hmm. Let's see here. Well, we have Kyle Pitts. We we have Mariota. Is that it? Yep. So we still have we still have a pretty good quarterback that we could use. So I'm I'm going to try and give us some semblance of an offense here. And actually, hmm. I honestly have no idea where you're going with this. Yeah. Um. Hey Kev, you do you want to do you have a guy you need that you would uh make a swap for number 10 from 10 to uh and 13? No. <laughs> so uh Jet, yeah. Um I will actually uh, give you a call here at number 17 with the LA Chargers if you're willing to uh, to answer the call. Okay, what, what do I get with that? All right, so basically, I'd probably be looking at trading you a first. So my 17 overall, I'll trade you um, a fourth rounder this year and a third rounder next year. Nah. Okay, I'm gonna keep, I'm gonna keep my pick. I'm gonna keep my pick. Okay. And I will go. Man, I I need some help on D, and I need more leadership because this team is headed nowhere. So at number ten. I will select Nicobe Dean. Oh, what a pick. I am so happy that you just took him in the top 10. This guy is getting so downgraded because of his size. It's sickening. When you look at what he brings to the table, again, I think I mentioned this to you guys every time we've talked. This is my absolute favorite player in the draft. He's he's like the Tasmanian devil when it comes to watching his game film, but he's also the smartest person in the draft, according to anyone who plays with him or against him. So this guy can honestly be like a Luke Keekley, where he's diagnosing plays as they're happening, and he can literally just line up that defense. I think that Atlanta 
would be so happy to stay one in state and picking like a kind of a hometown hero here. But again, getting somebody in there that can change exactly what they're doing on the defensive side. Love the pick, Jet. It's out of the box. I don't think anybody would have Nicobe Dean going number 10 to Atlanta, but you just did it, and I love you for it. Mm -hmm. Nice. All right. So I am on the clock right now with the Washington Commanders, and I hate saying that because I hate the name, but uh, here we are. Um. Washington's got an interesting scenario on their hand. Their defense underperformed greatly last year, but they've got such a talented group on that side that I don't think I need to look at anything on that. But there is one name that is sticking out to me that I really want to take. However, given the current circumstance that they're in with a wide receiver that has been performing at a very high level with Terry McLaurin, I think that they're looking at a scenario where he's going to sit out the offseason training. If you don't get him locked up to a long-term contract or talks are starting to go south, you're seeing what's happening with Debo Samuel right now. Terry McLaurin could very well be heading in that direction as well. So I think that other than Terry McLaurin, you really have no other weapons you know, on the outside in regards to receivers or tight ends in Washington. So as much as I would love to take Derek Stingley Jr. here to solidify my corners and make make my defense an absolute studly unit, my favorite receiver in the draft is right there. And we're going to go and get a Mike Evans clone, a former college basketball player turned receiver, who I think has unlimited upside with how he performs. Drake London out of USC. He's going to come in and absolutely, whether Terry McLaurin is there or not, you're going to get everything you need from Drake London with this pick. So Drake London receiver is heading to Washington to play for the commanders. So Kev, you have back-to-back picks here with Minnesota and Houston, but first number 12, Minnesota, one of the biggest underperforming teams from last year. They just made a head coaching change. They've got Kevin O'Connell coming over from the world champion LA Rams. They've got a pretty explosive offense. Their defense, you know, again, has some pieces, but has underperformed pretty well for the last, you know, five years or so. They can go in a multitude of different directions here, but what are you thinking as the GM? Um, Can you scroll down just so I can see? Uh, amazing that he would be available here, yeah. but it's going to be Derek Stingley Jr. Yeah. As soon as I passed on him, I knew that he was going to go with one of the next two picks. Like, incredible how he'd still be there at number 12. Would really be in the conversation to be the first corner off the board in the top five. So, great, yeah. great selection, great value. And I think Minnesota hits this one out of the park. Uh oh, the the gummies are kicking in for Jet. <laughs> I'm here. I'm here. I'm here next week when we do all of these picks again. We'll draft to the ham sandwich and a pizza. Jet doesn't remember who he takes at any pick. <laughs> all right, so Kev, quick turnaround for you. Uh, you knocked it out of the park with the Derek Stingley Jr. pick. 
Houston is back up on the clock at number 13 after their trade with Cleveland for Deshaun Watson. So you got Evan Neal to shore up the offensive line with your number three overall. Where are you looking at for number 13? Well, I mean, this is, this can be a tough one, right? Um, There's a lot of talent still on the board. You scroll down there. Like take take a look at those defensive tackles yeah. that are available. There's a lot left on the board that's uh, kind of hard to see and not pick up. Yeah. So uh, uh, so so Kev, um, I'm actually going to give you a call uh, again. Okay. Um, this time with the uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers. So at uh, number twenty, so you'll be moving down seven picks. So if you look at the trade chart, you're looking at the difference of 300 points. So realistically, um, I will trade you a number one, a number three this year, and a number three next year. I'll take that trade. All right. So Pittsburgh is moving up and jumping ahead of division rival Baltimore. So now I am on the clock with Pittsburgh moving up to number 13. Houston is just accruing picks galore to rebuild that franchise. So now Pittsburgh jumps up for a reason. There's Malik Willis is off the board. I don't think any other quarterback is worth taking at number 20. So now you really have to evaluate what's a position of need for a team that wants to establish themselves as another powerhouse in the loaded AFC, the best way to do that is to maximize every facet of your defense. And when I'm looking at a guy who's on the board sitting right in front of me, you get back to the Pittsburgh Steelers of old and get that absolute stud nose tackle in the middle of that defense. You can maximize miles Jack and Devin Bush at linebacker. You've got TJ Watt and Alex Highsmith on the outside. Everyone can benefit from having a giant defensive tackle who runs a 478 at 348 pounds. Jordan Davis from Georgia is the apple of Pittsburgh's eye here. And I think that this is an absolute home run for Kevin Colbert in his last draft. Solid pick. Very good pick. That is a solid pick. And again, as a as a Pittsburgh fan, I think that this is absolutely what the team would need to get a good, you know, shot in the arm on the defensive side. Jet made the point earlier. You know, a quarterback's best friend is a good defense. Well, Pittsburgh's defense is pretty good. This makes them absolutely better. So um Pleasure doing business with you, uh, Mr. Houston Texans GM. Well, don't even mention it, sir. <laughs> All right. So after the blockbuster move um, to move up and select Jordan Davis, Jethro, I probably ripped your heart out a little bit there. You're licking your chops as the Baltimore GM at number 14. Jordan Davis is dropping to you. You think that he's just going to walk into your building 
and create a new dynamic for the Baltimore team, only for a division rival to rip him away from you. So what are you looking at? How are you pivoting at number 14 with Baltimore? Well, sir, I, um, you know what? I have a superstar quarterback. I have a solid, solid uh, running back coming back from ACL surgery who's still young that we have a lot of faith in. So in order to help them with the number 14 pick, the Baltimore Ravens select Tyler Lindenbaum. Ooh. Tyler Linderbaum out of Iowa. Jet, why a center in the top 15? Because it's the middle of your offensive line. Starts there. So if you want to get, uh, well, I, was, I almost said Bo Jackson. Lamar Jackson, <laughs> a, a little more protected. And if you want to, you know, survive, really survive and compete in the AFC North with all those tough run games, you, you need to have someone who's a solid um, staple in that line. Because we saw, for example, when the Colts did it with uh, Ryan Kelly, you know, like, it, you know, it's one of those picks where people go, huh, I don't really get it. And then all of a sudden that team has the best O-line in the league. So um, definitely need to solidify that league. And if I'm going to give, uh, you know, uh, Lamar an, an extension that he wants, well, might as well invest in protecting him too. Well, all I'll say before I turn it over to Kev for his analysis on his favorite player in the draft, if Tyler Linderbaum was six foot five, he would be the first overall pick in the draft. Absolutely. This guy's film is probably the most impressive you're going to see in regards to any prospect. He's a multiple, multiple Remington award winner, which is, you know, equivalent to the best center in uh, the NCAA. I, I think that what he brings to the table is just so unique and so dynamic. And just because he plays center, he gets dropped down. If he's a tackle and six foot five, no questions asked. He's the first overall pick. Over to you, Kev. Uh, yeah, I think one of the cool things I saw recently, high school um, footage of uh, Linda Palm. Uh, Linderbaum taking uh, Tristan Wirfs and slamming him to the wrestling mat and pinning him in, uh, I guess it was a state championship. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's something else to watch, uh, <laughs> to watch two, uh, you know, they're, they're going to be on the same all pro team for the next 10 years. They were on the same line in college. That's how crazy that was. Yeah. That's out of this world, <laughs> but and you know, hey, kudos to Iowa, eh? Yeah. Tight end you and offensive line you. Yeah. Um, I, I, I love him. I love watching his game. I think I, when you look at value and sure things, he's as close as you get to a sure thing. Yeah. In this draft, I mean, there's a couple other guys that you figure will be the same way, but he's for me my number one non possible bust ever guy. He's yeah. And, I mean, you look at the pick that Pittsburgh just made with Jordan Davis. 
you know, how do you counter that? You get a guy like Linderbaum in there who's going to give up some size, but he's not going to back down from a fight. So that's exactly what a team like Baltimore needs, especially when you want to protect a guy like Lamar. So that's a fantastic pick, Jet. All right. So, Kev, you are now on the clock at number 15. You got to be very careful with how you approach this because, one, Philadelphia fans are very, very sensitive in regards to who they pick in the first round. And this is your first of two. So you have 15 and number 18. And now, obviously, we all know that my brother, who is the man of the people for the front office podcast, uh, is a gigantic Philadelphia Eagles fan. And also, producer Kyle is, uh, is a massive Philadelphia Eagles fan as well. So tread very lightly, my friend, and make sure you are making an educated pick for these two selections because you will get some angry texts from those two gentlemen if, uh, if you don't do exactly what they think you should. Well, I mean, take a look at our draft and how it's been going. They would be elated if this happened on draft day and they were able to get him uh, in the 15th spot. But Trent McDuffie. Trent McDuffie, corner out of Washington. What do you like about him, Kev? Uh, like, I mean, I mentioned before Derek Singley, uh, in my opinion, being the number one corner that's there. But Trent McDuffie's not too far behind. Like it's, it's a, in my book, a clear one and two, but you know, it's, it's like we see in fantasy football, right? There's tier one guys, then there's tier two and tier three. And there's some guys that are in tier two that can make that argument to be tier one. For me, McDuffie's the guy who's right on the border. I think he comes in and makes an immediate impact for them right away. Um, and I, there was no way I was going to go and take another wide receiver with their number one pick overall after, uh, after last year, it worked out for them. <laughs> it worked out for them. But uh, I mean, I think we all remember that draft day, the Philadelphia fans, not happy in any way, shape or form. So, I mean, you can't go wrong taking a corner <laughs> for the casual football fan. They won't fully understand it. Therefore it makes sense. And for anyone that watches football, we'll see that and go, wow, that's a great pick. Yeah, and I mean, I think the way that the board's shaking out, there's two guys at the cornerback position that Philadelphia could be eyeing with their two picks. So, you know, either McDuffie or Andrew Booth Jr. out of Clemson, you know, obviously both different types of corners, right? McDuffie's the the shorter, scrappier type of corner who, you know, can, you know, mix it up in the, uh, you know, in the pass game a little bit. He's small, but he gets in your face. Booth is one of these high upside guys, you know, bigger body, six foot, 200 pound guy, you know, fast, you know, twitchy, you know, brings a lot to the table in regards to, you know, risk taking. And I think brings a lot of what Darius Slade brings for Philadelphia as well. So, you know, I'm not as high in McDuffie as a lot of other people are, but I can see why people are going, you know, gaga over his game because, you know, he does have a level of compete to him that not a lot of players in this draft do. So um, I think that Philadelphia would be happy with that pick. So good on you, Kev. Good on you. Let's see if you can fuck it up with number 18. Um, So, Jet, you got Nolens on the clock down in the bayou, and uh, they would make a big trade with uh, Philadelphia now to get that extra first-round pick. Um, Number 16, number 19. uh, Who who, who that going to be coming down to play for New Orleans Saints? Hmm. 
I believe that I will take. Hmm. Thank you. Uh, can I go back to the defense? I think I'm going to go with uh, hmm. Devin Lloyd. Middle linebacker out of Utah. And uh, interesting selection. Interesting selection for the Saints. So, you know, why Devin Lloyd, Jet? Because um, I, I might be mistaken. Did we, we re-signed Demario Davis, right? They did. Now, Demario Davis is getting a little bit longer in the tooth. So I think that they need another defender. That is such a Jethroism, by the way, long in the tooth. <laughs> that is a Jethroism to its core. Oh, you know it. You know it. <laughs> <laughs> but I just think that, you know, if they're, if they're going to keep Lattimore and, and uh, Davenport and so on and so forth, you, we got to add some youth to that linebacking core. And uh, he's, he's an athletic as hell. So, you know, if we, we value speed and athleticism while Lattimore and company are covering people, then it's, it just makes sense. Yeah. I mean, Devin Lloyd is, uh, is a, you know, as clean of a linebacker as you're going to see, you know, obviously I mentioned how twitchy and, you know, all over the field, the Kobe Dean is Devin Lloyd, you know, there's something smooth about his game at linebacker. You don't hear that a lot, right. But he's kind of an all purpose guy. He can rush the passer. You know, it can blitz off the edge, blitz up the middle, he covers well. He's recovered many fumbles. Like he, he really just has a knack to be around the ball at all times. And those guys typically end up making a difference wherever they go. So um, again, great program in Utah. They pump out good pro talent all the time. Devin Lloyd is definitely the apple of a lot of teams eyes in regards to, you know, maybe the mid to late, you know, mid to late picks here. Um, all right. So, now that we're halfway through, we're going to get a little bit of a recap um, of how it's gone so far. So going all the way back to number one, Jacksonville, Jethro took Aiden Hutchinson out of Michigan. Number two, I selected Trayvon Walker for the Detroit Lions. Number three, Kevin selected Evan Neal for the Houston Texans. Jet back up on the clock at number four, took Ahmad Sauce Gardner for the Jets. Um, I selected Kayvon Thibodeau at number five for the Giants. Kev shook up the draft by taking Kenny Pickett for the Carolina Panthers at number six. Uh, I came back at number seven with the Giants again and selected Iki Iquanu. Uh, Jet traded up with uh, the Atlanta Falcons with the New York Jets, and he traded up for Kyle Hamilton at number eight. Malik Willis. Kevin, again, selecting another quarterback for a quarterback-starved team at number nine with Seattle. Um, after trading down to number 10, Atlanta came up and selected Nicobe Dean. Uh, at number 11, uh, I selected Drake London to pair with Terry McLaurin or take over for Terry McLaurin for Washington. Kev fell into probably the biggest steal of the draft so far, Derek Stingley Jr. Uh, with Minnesota at number 12. Um, I traded up with Pittsburgh uh, to the number 13 spot with Houston to select Jordan Davis. 
Jethro selected Tyler Linderbaum for the Baltimore Ravens at number 14. Kevin did Philadelphia a favor and took a great corner out of Washington and Trent McDuffie at number 15. And Jethro just took the all-purpose linebacker out of Utah, Devin Lloyd, at number 16 for New Orleans. So I am on the clock with the Chargers. I am not even going to think about this pick. I can't believe he's still on the board. It's a position of need. They had a home run last year with their first round offensive lineman that they took. Let's get him a bookend to protect their all-world quarterback of Justin Herbert. Charles Cross out of Mississippi State. Welcome to L.A., my friend. Good pick. Solid pick. Well, I mean, you know, you look at your selection for the Super Bowl next year, Kevin. Like, this just kind of gives it that much more juice, right? Like, your top 10 prospect. Falling down to number 17. Uh-huh. And again, you got to think of where he's coming from. Mississippi State, it's a Mike Leach offense. That guy knows how to pass protect. <laughs> so you put him on the line with Rashawn Slater as your two tackles. You've got a pretty damn good, you know, duo there. Okay. So, Kev, you, you did well with your first pick with Philadelphia. Now the pressure's on to really make a difference here with number 18. Where are you leaning? to make the Eagles better going into this season? Well, this is hard because you probably want to take a receiver. It is a deep receiver pool, but Jermaine Johnson is staring me in the face and I can't let him slide anymore. Get that man his payday at pick 18. Kevin, I literally hear cheering from the entire Philadelphia Eagle fan base because of that pick. Let's just say you hit an extra base hit with Trent McDuffie at number 15. This is a walk-off home run with Jermaine Johnson coming in to add to that pass rush. That was abysmal last year for Philadelphia. Jermaine Johnson Jr. could arguably be a top-five pick this year. The fact that you're getting him at number 18 is incredible. The board has fallen to you this entire draft for all of your picks, Kevin. It's crazy. I feel like a young Kyle Kirkwood as he picked up a piece of corner drywall steel and cranked out the largest peach home run (laughs) in Canada Day peach softball history. You know, I, I, I will share that picture on our social media page so that way everybody understands what Kevin's alluding to. But this um, is the greatest greatest moment ever captured on, on film. Yeah. Was, and I mean all three of us were a part of that. It was yeah. uh it, it was indicative of you know the Joe Carter nineteen ninety-three walk-off home run to Donovan Bailey winning the nineteen ninety-six gold medal in the hundred meters. Like that's the type of moment that was. And Philadelphia just got that moment again with Jermaine Johnson. I mean, great selection, fantastic value, and I'm pretty sure that every Philadelphia fan, including the man of the people and producer Kyle, will give you a hug the next time that they see you. Great job. Naturally. Do I just hit for Jet the rest of the way? Yeah. You know what's crazy here, too? Jermaine Johnson initially started at Georgia. Can Can you imagine if he was still there? 
I mean, they won the national championship. How much better could it get? But we yeah. know how much better it could have gotten. Yeah. All right. So uh, let's see if Jet is actually faking like he's asleep or if the gummies have absolutely kicked in and has knocked him out. Jet. <laughs> he is out. He's out cold. This is great. <laughs> he is down for the count. All right, so onward and upward. Uh, I'll pick for Jet. Kev for and one. I are going to alternate picks for Jethro here, but Kev, you go ahead. You got the ball rolling already. You got New Orleans <laughs> on the clock here. Um, Jet picked Devin Lloyd for them with uh, with number 16. You're looking at number 19. Where are you looking? Scroll up for me. I mean, I'm very interested in taking um, a kicker here. But <laughs> I think we're going to shake things up a bit here. Jameson Williams. Jameson Williams arguably could have been the number one receiver off the board if he was healthy. Would have been a top 10 pick guaranteed. So fantastic pick. Got to wait on him a little bit, but well worth the value. So uh, I, I think that, you know, Jet himself wouldn't have made a better pick there because, uh, you know, as again, he's high as fuck. He has fallen asleep. He's probably not going to join us for the rest of the show. Um, but we'll see if we can kind of, you know, spark him, uh, spark him awake at some point or get one of his kids to come down and punch him in the nuts as we're uh, as we're talking here. So, you know, recapping that pick, Jameson Williams again, you know, just such a, a, a unique talent. Started at Ohio State, ended at Alabama. And, you know, shades of, you know, every Alabama receiver that's come out of that school in the last five, six years, explosive athlete. I mean, apparently his rehab is going very, very well, and he should be getting back to normal sooner rather than later. But hopefully he has a speedy recovery because that would be an absolute home run pick for New Orleans if they could get a receiver like that at number 19. All right, so Kev, third pick in a row. So you're back up on the clock now with uh, Houston after your trade down with me, with Pittsburgh. So Houston gets two extra third rounders, one this year, one next year. Um, and uh, what are they looking at doing at number 20 here? Well, you know what? You end up taking the pick I would have taken uh, in that trade, which was good by you. But uh, George Karlaftis is staring me in the face here too. Um, I think Houston's going to add uh, to the defensive line. And uh, that's just too big of a pick not to take right now. You know, George Karlaftis is one of the most intriguing prospects in the draft because a lot of people have him as a top 10. Some people have him as a second rounder. When you look at the pressures that he gets, he's in the top you know, five in the nation with how he pressures the quarterback. But the sack numbers just aren't there. So, you know, obviously he's just a step behind. But again, you look at, you know, the impact that you can have just with the pressure aspect of it, you know, just as good as a sack if you can pressure, get a hit on the quarterback. So um, I think that he's got a good motor on him. He'll walk into any situation and, and perform well. And especially with a coordinator, you know, sorry, with a head coach and a defensive mind like a Lovey Smith, you should see a good version of George Karlaftis right out of the gate and can build on everything that he has in his skill set already. So that's uh, that's a good pick, man. I, I really like that. And I think that's probably where 
you know, his sweet spot's going to be in this draft is in the you know late teens, early twenties. Um, and it's funny that you took him right before my next pick, because I'm up on the clock now at number 21 with New England, because that's who I was probably going to walk away with knowing how Bill Belichick loves to identify his talent. And I think that that would have been an absolute home run for me, but, uh, was not the case. And, um, but there's a guy, I can't believe the two Ohio state receivers are still on the board here. And <laughs> knowing that, you know, obviously they made the trade in the off season for Devonte Parker. They signed Nelson Aguilar last year. Uh, they signed um, Kendrick Bourne last year at receiver. None of those guys jump off the page to me in regards to game changers. I look at the two guys from Ohio state, especially the one on top there, Kev, Garrett Wilson should be a top 10 pick any day of the week. And this is kind of like the Mac Jones pick last year for New England. Like it just falls into their lap without them having to do anything. And it's like, how do you get a talent like this at 21 at a position that you really need an upgrade in? I mean, this is a home run any day of the week. So Garrett Wilson you're catching balls from Mac Jones for the next 10 years, and you're going to be that new duo in New England. All right, so I'm going to take this pick for Jet because, uh, again, we're going to alternate for the rest of the way here. But uh, Green Bay is on the board uh, after um, uh, after the trade they made earlier this offseason for Devontae Adams. This is the Las Vegas original pick at 22 um, a couple different things that Green Bay can do here. And if I really look at where they can make the biggest impact, you know, are they going to look to trade down? Probably not because there's still a lot of talent at positions of need for them. It's ultimately going to come down to what they value more with this pick. Do they value an offensive line or do they value a receiver? And I just made mention of one of the Ohio State receivers coming off the board and dropping the other guy who I thought was better, you know, over the course of his career at Ohio State, Chris Olave, you know, cold weather receiver, high performer in the Big Ten, you know, 4-3 speed, just as smooth as you can get. This is exactly the type of player that Aaron Rodgers needs to come in and replace a guy like Devontae Adams. Big shoes to fill, but... Big game receiver. I think that this is a home run for them as well. Well, that in and of itself is going to spark a receiver run, a little <laughs> bit of a run on receivers. I think this is where teams start to get nervous that they're missing out on the receivers and they don't want to wait to the second round. Arizona's got to replace Christian Kirk. I think Traylon Burks is going to be uh, slotting in that position. Well, I'm picking for Arizona. So, uh, Oh, shit, I thought I said Kev. So, <laughs> you wouldn't mind uh, not taking my pick then. <laughs> you know, I, uh, I actually don't, uh, don't think that Traylon Burks is, uh, is a good fit for Arizona. I, I, I think that they would have jumped all over, you know, the two Ohio State receivers if they had a fall in there for sure. Um, but, you know, again, who knows what's going to happen with that team now. Kyler Murray's thinking about holding out. Um, you know, I don't really know. They, they drafted Rondale Moore last year in the second round. They've got DeAndre Hopkins coming back. They just re-signed A.J. Green. Zach Ertz at tight end. I don't think that receiver is as big of a need. What they do need 
is help on the offensive line to protect Kyler Murray. And when I look at the guys who are on the board still, again, one guy who I think is as versatile as you can get, he comes from a great program of producing good offensive line talent. I'm going to Boston College, and I'm taking Zion Johnson to plug in at guard, at center, maybe even a spot starter at tackle. But Zion Johnson just makes absolute sense for the Arizona Cardinals to take here. All right, Kev. So number 24, the Dallas Cowboys. They're on the clock. They've got some needs on both sides of the ball. A really weird offseason for them with guys that they've had to cut because of salary cap reasons with Lyle Collins and Amari Cooper, you know, trading him away. Where do you think Dallas is going to go here with all the players left on the board? Hmm. Uh, tough. I, you know, something that they never thought they'd be drafting uh, five, six years ago because they were the number one at this position for so, so very long. But I think they got to go offensive line here. I really do think that they got to start scoring up speed there. Yep. Um, the fact that he's still available, I think uh, Bernard Raymond. The converted tight end. So interesting prospect here. Was act so a foreign exchange student from Hungary, and uh, or is it Hungary or Austria? Maybe it's Austria, but uh, came over as a track and field athlete and has converted over to a football player. Started out as a tight end and gained weight to you know become an offensive tackle. So he's got great feet, strong hands, good punch. Um, the one knock on him is that he's going to be twenty five years old when the season starts. It's a little bit older than most of the prospects, but he's a plug and play guy. Like you can put, you can put him in the lineup right away and offensive line doesn't really matter if he comes in at 21 or 25, you're going to get, you know, if you can get six years out of him. Great. That's exactly what you're looking for. I like it. I like the pick man, you know, obviously Tyron Smith, you know, he's just battling so many injuries every year. Who knows if you're going to get, you know, a full season out of him ever again. And now the right tackle position is up in the air because they just had to release Lyle Collins. So, you know, Dallas definitely needs to invest in the offensive line here. And I mean, whether it's Bernard Raymond, um, Kendrick Green, you know, Trevor Penning, whoever it may be, I think you're absolutely right in your assessment. They need to go on the offensive line. Um, oh, I might take is Jethro uh, say nothing if you think it's the greatest pick ever made. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. Well, well said, Jet. Well said. Um, <laughs> so, Kev, you are now taking on Jethro's pick with the Buffalo Bills at number 25. Um, again, not a lot of holes on this team. Where are you looking at solidifying the Buffalo Bills roster here? I think they got to replace Wallace, Andrew Booth Jr. Clemson I mean, product. Easy peasy right there. I mean, your Levi Wallace, you know, left as a free agent, went to Pittsburgh. Probably the one area of need that Buffalo has. And Booth could be the highest upside corner in the draft if he lives up to his potential. So, I mean... You talk about, again, the board falling to you as a GM. Kevin, you're uh, you're knocking this one out of the park, my friend. 
I really should be in the NFL doing this stuff. <laughs> doing this for free on the podcast. Uh, coach would have put me in. We'd have won state. Life would have been different. Oh, <laughs> uh, Uncle Rico. I was Uncle, thinking about him. Uncle the other Rico. Day. There it is. Um, yeah, but Napoleon. <laughs> All right, so uh, up next are the Tennessee Titans. And, uh, you know, you look at what Tennessee does well. Tennessee runs the football. It goes through Derrick Henry. Ryan Tannehill is there as, you know, a, a dink and dunk quarterback. You know, they've got some receiver issues in regards to, you know, what they have behind A.J. Brown, Julio Jones, you know, was cut. So, couple of different things you can look at here one again deep receiver class you can look at getting somebody in the first round because you don't have a second rounder because you trade them for julio jones but you also could look at you know replacing your starting guard um you know from last year roger saffold with a guy who's again looking right at you in Kenyon green you've got two high level tackles that are still on the board trevor penning and tyler smith you know very very tough pick but you know i look at what the situation is with AJ Brown and Tennessee. If that goes south, they're going to need to have somebody in place. And, you know, there's a guy at Penn State who is one of the best route runners in the draft. I love Jahan Dotson. I think that he would be an absolute steal at number 26 for Tennessee if he was still there. Yeah. I feel like. I I feel like you from last year, man. I'm just taking receivers with all my picks now. That was, you know what? The sure thing is always to go with the receiver. <laughs> if we've learned anything from fantasy football, the sure thing is always to take a receiver. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So uh, you're on the clock at number 27 with the, uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So big, you know, big off season for them in regards to, Tom Brady retiring and then unretiring Bruce Arians retiring Todd Bowles taking over Bruce Arians staying on as an advisor. And, you know, they, they could have been in a lot worse shape, but a lot of the guys that they thought they were going to lose based on Tom Brady's retirement have all come back. So what are you looking at in regards to Tampa Bay and where, where are they going with this pick? I, I've got to be honest. I'm a little lost on what they do here. You know, when you get to the end of the first round, there's not a lot of teams that have glaring needs, right? Yeah. These are the best teams from the NFL last year, unless they lost a ton of guys to free agency um, uh, or retirement. Right? Yeah. Um, this is going to sound crazy. Two dragons. Two. <laughs> <laughs> I look back at it. Um, I, I if if there were. More defensive uh, tackles that I liked that are still on the board. I think they go that direction, but I don't think that they go that direction uh, necessarily. Scroll up for me. I think they are going to do something out of the blue, a little bit crazy, and take Brees Hall. You don't see too many running backs go in the first round, but there's a team that I could see him going to. It's Tampa Bay. A pass catching, blocking, and bell cow style back who would likely turn into the team's Alvin Kamara. 
in like a good way. Not, not <laughs> so this is an interesting pick because I love Brees Hall's game. Patient runner, you know, really good at reading his blocks, physical. He's got great speed, catches the ball well. Like he does everything you want out of a running back. You know, interesting fit there because Leonard Fournette's back and they brought back uh, Giovanni Bernard. So it's not like you would need him to come in and be the guy to take on, you know, the workload right away. But, you know, now you can look at cutting bait with both those guys next year and letting Brees Hall run with, you know, run with the starters as the number one guy. Kind of what, you know, Baltimore did with J.K. Dobbins a couple of years ago, right? Yes. You yep. bring him into the system where you have a strong running game already, but then you ease him in and then you give him more of a workload as the season progresses and he ends up taking on, you know, the majority of it. So interesting pick. I would love it if Brees Hall ends up on a good system like Tampa Bay. I thought for sure you were going to lean that way with Buffalo. But, you know, the fact that he's the fact that he's there, you know, at 27 for Tampa Bay, I, I, I don't hate it. I don't hate it at all. All right, so Green Bay is back up on the clock. They took Chris Olave with their first pick, uh, number 22. So now they're back, and I mentioned that they could go in a couple of different directions with uh, with what they were looking at there. And, I mean, their offensive line has been, you know, pretty banged up the last couple of years. And, you know, even though... I, I don't like his game myself. I know a lot of people are high on him because of his tenacity and the fact that he can come in and play tackle at left or right, you know, is a good plus, um, you know, and with good coaching, who knows, he could turn into something big down the line. I'm going with Trevor Penning here. Wow. You know, there's talk that he could be a top 15 or 10 pick, which is insane to me after watching his watching his film. Like his feet are not good. He's got violent hands, but you saw the tendencies that he shows that are not good traits to have, which is when he's beat, he tends to throw his defender to the ground. And which usually happens, you're throwing him into the feet or legs of your quarterback. Now, Aaron Rodgers has been around a long time. He can coach that out of him as a quarterback, but you know, that scares me as an offensive line coach if a guy is showing those tendencies in college because it's going to be really hard to get away from that in the pros when guys are better. Imagine, imagine a rookie offensive lineman ending Aaron Rodgers' career by throwing <laughs> a D lineman into him out of frustration. Yeah, so again, I took him because as I think who they would take if this were the case. If I was making the pick here, I would go either with Kenyon Green or Tyler Smith out of Tulsa. I think that either of those guys would be a better fit in regards to talent, but knowing that people are high on Trevor Penning, that's who I got to go with there at number 28. All right. So Kev, you got the Kansas city chiefs now back-to-back picks 29 and 30. They obviously lost Tyreek Hill. They brought in Juju Smith Schuster and um, why am I drawing a blank on his name? Uh, from Green Bay. Uh, anyways, doesn't matter. <laughs> so <laughs> they they brought in a couple of new receivers to take over for for Tyreek Hill. But again, you're losing a lot for what he brings to the table. Defense obviously could use some work as well. 
What are you looking at for Kansas City here in back-to-back picks? I like um, defensive end. I'm going to butcher his name, Boy Maffey. Boye Maffey. Boye Maffey. I knew it was an AA. Out of Minnesota. Um, he gives me a lot of vibes of like a Jason Pierre-Paul type where he can come in kind of, you know, slowly, you know, acclimate to the league and then become an absolute menace off the edge. So I, yeah, he'd I like be an that. absolute firecracker. Yeah. <laughs> he will blow up the competition. <laughs> great, great comparison. So Jet, uh, how do you like that pick? That's what, I, breath that, away. that's what I thought you'd say. Um, fantastic. Fantastic analysis from Jet, like always. <laughs> oh, <laughs> right, so, what a joke. So, Boye Mafe off the board. Kev, back up on the clock for Kansas City. What are you looking at? Well, I mean, I could have some fun here. I cannot believe he's still available. Scroll up for me. Just making sure he is. And he is. Sky Moore. Going to the skies. Um, so, again, small school, you know, Western Michigan. But Sky Moore is one of the best route runners in this class. And I think with a creative play caller like Andy Reid, this could be a really fun gadget player to have in your system. So, um, I like that pick. I really do. Uh, especially when you have two second round picks as well to play with, you can take a chance on a guy like Sky Moore in the first round here and uh, and bring him in to make an impact. So um, I like it, man. I like it. All right, so we're getting down to the end. Kev, your your last pick of the draft, number thirty one, Cincinnati Bengals, coming off of a Super Bowl appearance. Um, you know, obviously they've still got some holes to fill, but they've made some improvements on their offensive line. Um, what are you thinking for uh, the defending AFC champs? I think they add another O-lineman or um, they make a move on uh, a tight end. That's something I think they go for in the second round. Um, or uh, they they get a little competition for Kyle's favorite cornerback in Eli Apple. <laughs> um, I like Elam. So you're taking Kyir Elam? Kyir Elam. Um, just because I really do think Eli Apple's not the answer there. And uh, a little bit of a challenge might be best for them. But it also would probably appease me to not see Eli Apple playing. Yeah, I mean, you've got a lot of guys in their secondary who are on their second or third teams already, right? Like... Vernon Hargraves, Eli Apple, um, you know, these are guys who, you know, ultimately the Trey Waynes, like ultimately they're, they have big pedigrees from where they were drafted initially, but obviously they didn't pan out. So you need to get a guy in there who's going to be the guy. And, you know, I think that one of the the units that struggled for them last year was the secondary. So, you know, Kair Elam, um, you know, big physical corner out of Florida, I think he brings the traits that you'd really want, um, you know, out of that, uh, out of that selection. So that's a good pick. And to wrap up 
our first round mock draft. Um, before I make this pick, Jet, do you have anything that you want to add and how this draft went in regards to all the players that we've selected? That's what I thought you'd say. I mean, you know, just you, you talk about, you know, uh, a, a staple on this podcast, Jethro Constant, just bringing the heat each and every time he's on the microphone, straight fire. Um, Kev, how are you, you know, how are you thinking that uh, the draft went for you and your picks? Uh, you know, I thought a lot of the steals came my way. That I was surprised that they were still available when they came. But that's how the first round always goes, right? Yep. There's yep. always there's always gonna be guys that people expect to go at a certain spot, then they don't, and then just based on team needs, they slide seven spots lower than they were supposed to go. There's always gonna be people that teams reach on because whatever reason it is, they like them. I mean, keep it the, in mind at the end of the day, um, you know, uh, of all the teams in the NFL there's bound to be some coaches and GMs that really don't belong there and make stupid boneheaded decisions (laughs) that ultimately spelled the end of their careers. That's what happens on draft day, David. And that's why they get paid the big bucks. So as the Detroit Lions wrap up the first round here, the one name that sticks out to me that, you know, again, I think the reason why you haven't heard his name called, even though you know how high we are on him, Devontae Wyatt out of Georgia. Some allegations and some you know charges have been resurfacing from his past in regards to domestic violence. And I think we've seen any time you see that come out before a draft or before a trade or anything like that, it just doesn't sit well with anybody, regard you know, regardless of how baseless or how accurate the claims are. But there's multiple multiple charges that have come out you know from this guy's past in regards to different incidents so he's falling down a lot of people's boards i think some teams are absolutely taking him off their board which is kind of sad because you think about if he you know had his nose clean throughout this whole process this is a top 10 talent in the nfl you know what i mean like Mm -hmm. he's got such great potential to be a great football player but again off the field issues is rearing its ugly head and again, affecting a really promising prospect and maybe knocking him out of, you know, the first two or three rounds altogether. Um, But we'll see, we'll see what happens on draft day. And another guy who, again, unfortunately an injury that's prevented him from, you know, reaching his potential of being a high draft pick is David Ojabo out of Michigan. You know, poor guy tore his Achilles tendon when he was at his pro day, and was trending to be a top 15 pick. And now, you know, would be a stretch to get him in, in the first, you know, in the, in the first round. But again, hopefully a speedy recovery for him so we can come back and live up to that potential. But now on to the final pick of the evening, the Detroit Lions. And, you know, there's a couple of positions where I think they need to address with this pick in particular. But the one position that stands out to me here is quarterback. Because for those of you who don't know how the first round works compared to all the other rounds in the NFL draft, there's an extra year tacked on to each rookie contract for all first round picks. So whenever you see teams trading back up into the first round, it's for a reason because they get an extra year of controllability on that player's contract. 
okay? Especially when it comes to quarterbacks, you always want to have an extra year of control because sometimes it takes guys a little bit longer to get acclimated to the league. With that being said, there's two quarterbacks who I absolutely, you know, one guy who I absolutely love and have from the get-go in Matt Corral. I love his game. I think he's as tough as they come, and I think he ultimately brings a level of, you know, competitiveness that a team like Detroit would just fall in love with right out of the gate. But there's a difference maker on the board. I think he's shooting up a lot of draft boards because of how impressive he's been in the interview process as well as the individual workouts and Desmond Ritter from Cincinnati. The one thing I really started to look more into with Desmond Ritter because I wasn't really impressed with him, you know, with, you know, the national semifinal, with, you know, some of the film I've watched of him in the past. But the one thing I've really started to notice about him that I love, his release is insanely quick. When you have him next to all the other top quarterbacks in the draft, Desmond Ritter gets the ball out probably twice as fast as any other quarterback in this year's draft. And that is so important with a West Coast style offense like Detroit runs, especially bringing his mobility of running a 4-5. This is the type of quarterback that can really change a dynamic of a team, especially when a Detroit is looking to change a dynamic. We mentioned it earlier with Trayvon Walker in the defense. I think Desmond Ritter on the offensive side can just open up everything they're looking to do You've got some weapons on that team already with Amon Ross St. Brown really stepping up as that big, you know, go-to receiver, you know, um, midway through the season. If they can keep the backfield healthy, they've got some good talent back there. Their offensive line is pretty damn good. This could be a pretty sneaky pick, you know, for number 32 with Desmond Ritter, especially because Detroit has a quick turnaround with number 34 in the second round. So now they can look at taking another receiver, you know, to pair with Amon Ross St. Brown. And you look at some of the names that are still on the board there, like George Pickens, you know, out of uh, out of Georgia, fantastic player. Calvin Austin, the third, who I think is Tyree Kill 2.0. Christian Watson, who is the combine stud out of North Dakota State. Kevin's guy, Traylon Burks, could be, you know, that big play threat that they'd be looking at. Um, you know, so Detroit could go a number of different ways there. Or, you know, take a chance on a Devontae Wyatt. In the second round, you know, you don't have to pay him first round money. He might be motivated if all these things are, you know, kind of buried now. Um, or again, you stay local. You got two guys who are from the University of Michigan with David Ojabo and Daxton Hill who can come in and, again, give you some of that uh, that homegrown flavor that a, a city like Detroit would love. But Desmond Ritter is my pick here. I think that he just opens up so much for Dan Campbell and the Detroit Lions going forward. Great pick. I like Ritter. All right. So after all that, and Jethro's just, you know, he didn't let us talk very much. He, you know, he just contributed so much to this episode. Um, let's go through our first round mock draft 2022 um, from start to finish. So again, recapping number one, Jacksonville, Aiden Hutchinson, Detroit at two, Trayvon Walker, three at Houston, Evan Neal. Four with the Jets, Ahmad Gardner. Five with the Giants, Kayvon Thibodeau. Six with the Panthers, Kenny Pickett. Seven with the Giants, uh, Iki Iquanu. Eight with the Jets in a trade-up, Kyle Hamilton. Nine with Seattle, Malik Willis. Ten with the Falcons in a trade-down, Nicobe Dean. Eleven with Washington, Drake London. 
12 um, with Minnesota, Derek Stingley Jr., 13, a trade-up for Pittsburgh, uh, Jordan Davis at 14 with Baltimore, Tyler Linderbaum, 15, uh, Philadelphia, Trent McDuffie, 16, New Orleans, Devin Lloyd, 17, the Chargers, Charles Cross, 18, Philadelphia again with Jermaine Johnson Jr., 19, New Orleans again with Jamison Williams, uh, 20 with Houston, George Karlaftis. <laughs> so um, I'm going to stop after the, you know, the 20th pick to recap. Jet, you know, just an absolute studly performance by you in the second half of that you know, of the episode tonight, man. Really just, turned it around, Jet. Really just, turned- you, know, you started off slow, but you really hit your stride around the, the 45 to 50 minute mark, man. You're know, really, really impressed with, uh, with how you – how you came and brought it tonight. Hey, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Kevin and I were, were just saying like, you know, probably the best episode you've ever had. Really? I think you jinxed it. Cause didn't you say that at the beginning? <laughs> For the best episode you've ever had? No, that it'll be a great show knowing that I won't say much, but then we <laughs> fig- then I took my finger off the mute button. <laughs> Uh, so anyone who uh, yeah, again hasn't figured it out by now, Jethro absolutely fell asleep. Um, had a nice little nap as Kevin and I wrapped up the first round. So um, at number twenty-one, picking up the recap of the draft, twenty-one in New England, Garrett Wilson, twenty-two with Green Bay, Chris Olave, twenty-three with Arizona, Zion Johnson, twenty-four Dallas Bernard Ryman, twenty-five with Buffalo, Andrew Booth Jr. 26 with Tennessee, Jahan Dotson. 27 with Tampa Bay, Brees Hall. 26, or sorry, 28 with Green Bay, Trevor Penning. 29 with Kansas City, Boye Mafe. 30 with Kansas City, Sky Moore. 31 to Cincinnati, Kair Elam. And number 32, and wrapping up the first round of the NFL draft, Desmond Ritter. So, that is who the front office podcast has pegged to be in the first round for next week's NFL draft. I think that we knocked this one out of the park, gentlemen. I'll take, I'll I mean, take it. I, I'm not going to lie. I'm ready for bed. I know, I know Jethro is ready for bed. I am also ready for bed. And to all of you people listening out there, you should be ready for bed as well. So on that note, thank you everyone for listening. And uh, again, we, uh, we wouldn't be where we are without our pals over at Dine Sports. Stay tuned. Dine Sports and the Front Office Podcast have an announcement for next week's NFL Draft. So just keep, uh, keep tuned in for that. Um, but yeah, other than that, all you ghouls out there, Kevin just loves every single one of you and would do whatever it takes to keep you entertained. And Jet really just, you know, he, he just brings the energy up so much on every one of our episodes. I can't even express how much he jacks everybody up. So, Jet, on that note, you know what to do. Later, bitches. Hell of a show. Hell of a show. <laughs>